Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for farm selling direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's episode. We've got a great conversation for you today with Blake Bennett, the owner and operator of B3 Roots Farm in Apex, North Carolina. Welcome, Blake. Great to have you here. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about what I'm doing over here. Yeah, let's get into that. To start out, B3 Roots isn't like most farms. If somebody was to walk over to your farm and look at it, what would I see if I walked over to your house to check out your farm? Really, all you see is a metal box, a big white metal box that you probably wouldn't have any clue what's going on inside other than the fact my logo says hydroponic green. Most people just walk by, but yeah, it's a big metal shipping container. And other than that, you don't know what's going on inside. <laughs> That's awesome. I guess to start out then, yeah, you're growing hydroponically out of the shipping container with a shipping container from Freight Farms, who we've talked about before, but could you maybe give a brief explanation of the thinking behind hydroponic and, and vertical growing? Yeah, absolutely. So hydroponics is the uh, cultivation of plants, but without the use of soil. So I guess it's not really cultivation, because cultivation is using soil. So it's growing plants, we're just using water. It's been around for a long time, but it really the technology has just really ramped up in the past few years. So with the land being so expensive around here and, or either poor soil quality all over the world, it's become a natural meeting of the two. Our land prices have gone just way up. And so going up, you can utilize more of the space there is without having to go out. And uh, so every square foot counts. Um, you can fit a lot more into one little area. How much space does your freight farm take up and about how much produce do you approximately grow in that? <laughs> so uh, the container is a 40 foot by eight foot, uh, nine foot tall. 320 square feet, a uh, little small area of land that I've got off on a farm outside of, uh, outside in the rural area. But yeah, within that 320 produces as much as a traditional two and a half to three acre farm. Wow. Um, utilizing only a gallon of water a day. That's what I'm, that's what I'm averaging right now. So yeah, we've touched on freight farms, which is a, is a newer technology in the world of farming and, and freight farms is a partner of barn to door, but could you tell me a little bit about how you came across them and, and the company and what about that kind of piqued your interest? Back in February last year, I didn't exactly know what I was going to do, but I did like working in greenhouses. It's something I did when I was in school. I worked in a greenhouse for four years and I always liked to do that. Uh, but when I got out of school, the jobs that were available were more in the landscaping world. So that's what I did from the time I graduated until last year was the landscaping industry. So I just started looking around at what was out there, uh, greenhouse work and hydroponics was something that definitely piqued my interest. And I just started researching a lot and came across vertical hydroponics is something that's up and coming. And Freight Farms was one of the names that came up. And it seems like their technology is one of the um, more advanced technologies out there in the style of farming. And so contacted them back in February and yeah, I guess the, the rest is history. I was really impressed with what they were doing. And yeah, after that, that's well, who I went with. Yeah. Wow. Did you have, I mean, you, you kind of touched on your, your background in landscaping. Did you have any background in, in farming or in that world? No, none whatsoever. And that's a lot of what the, uh, the banks were asking me. Uh, yeah. when I was trying to get the financing. They were asking, are you a farmer? I was like, no, not at all. But I do like to make the argument that working in the landscaping industry, uh, 
you're trying to grow multiple different types of varieties of plants over different types of soils, climates, different sun exposures, uh, different soil soil types, and uh, you know, so you know, landscaping is kind of farming in an aspect, but it's not farming for something that's edible. It's just mm-hmm. something farming for aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have a background in farming, but just for different reasons. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think kind of a cool way to look at it. I mean, it's it's still when it comes down to it's plants, you're trying to grow them. So you touched on you looking at at freight farms there. And and it is pretty crazy because if you go check out freight farms work or website, it looks like I don't want to say Apple, but it's like a tech company. Um, Outer space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really out there. Yeah. And so how does that the technology in a freight farm, how does that help you grow high quality products for your customers? All the data is there. That's where if you're someone who is a data person who likes to go back and look at the statistics, what you did on this crop versus what you did on that crop, the system just, it just collects all this data for you. So you can automatically know when something went wrong. And another aspect of that is it's very automated. Um, The farm really takes care of itself. There's a few manual things that you have to do, like the seeding yourself, transplanting yourself, adding some fertilizers for the injections. But as far as everything else, it's just, it's a very automated system. So you can focus on just going over the plants and making sure they look good. Uh, so that's one great part of the software is it's lots of automation and it's remote. You can check on your farm from anywhere. Yeah, that's really cool. And it, and when you check out Freight Farms website, they do kind of almost have it as two different products that they're offering their customers. There's the farm, there's the 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 box, but then there's also the software that goes along with it, which you touched on with a lot of that data and such. But so how does that software go with their unit and, and how does it complement that? And how do you utilize that in the growing process? Well, I use the software just about every single day. Uh, first thing I do is when I, I go into the farm is I check all my levels of everything. It tracks my CO2 levels. It tracks parts per million for both the cultivation tank and the seeding tank. So yeah, everything's there. You just make sure it's, it's doing what it is doing. You do have to calibrate it every once in a while just to make sure that your sensors are in line with where they should be. So it's a, just a kind of a double check. That stuff's always working in, in, the, in the background, but you still have to make sure it is doing what it's supposed to be doing. But you just let it do its thing, and uh, it, it mimics daylight, daytime, and nighttime. The temperatures go up when it's daytime, and the temperatures drop when it's nighttime, which is wow. actually the reverse of us. Right now, my farm is about to go into daytime, and it will allow the temperatures to go up to about 70 degrees. And then around eight o'clock in the morning, the lights will cut off and it will drop my temperatures down to about 65 degrees to try to mimic real life what is actually going on. So the plants get a rest period and they get a growth period in a 24 hour, uh, in a 24 hour period. That is pretty wild. That's incredible that it can do all that. And just automatically that's all built in. Wow. So how long have you been, you've been at this now about a year? Well, I started working on the entire process about a year ago or a little over a year, but yes, getting the financing and getting location. Location was a a tough one. Zoning is is difficult in the suburbs. I feel like maybe some of the larger cities would maybe look away from, you know, what it is, but the the cities in my area is like, are you agriculture or are you industrial? We we can't figure it out what you're doing is inside agriculture, but what you're doing on the outside is industrial. So that was really difficult. So yeah, it took a long time. Freight farms had about a six-month build, so I had to wait a little bit for the farm to get here. So I finally got here in December. 
And, um, and then the power company was another 11 weeks to wait to get the power hooked up. So finally in February, I got everything up. I think this week just finished my sixth harvest. So yeah, I've been the harvesting for six weeks, growing for since middle of February. Okay, that's awesome. That's really cool. What has changed over the course of that time? And and maybe what are the things you've learned? The learning was is definitely try to figure out what it is that people really want. I thought lettuce was going to be a big hit and um, lettuce has not been <laughs> the bigger hit that I thought it was going to be. Uh, so uh, leafy greens, like my Asian greens and those kind of things, what I really um, am focusing on now. Um, mm -hmm. So th that's what I've been learning right now. Well, and I know freight farms are also very compatible for for microgreens as well. Have you have you tried those out or have you thought about doing those? No, absolutely. I've got a rack that I, I've got a little spare space in the very back or behind the uh, seating tray. And I've got racks back there. And so I have been playing around with the microgreens and they've been very popular. Um, they are definitely something that gets me in the door. Uh, mm -hmm. People try out the microgreens and then they're like, okay, let me try out everything else. Uh, so yeah, the microgreens have been a great addition. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because that's something we see with so many farms is just like the in the door product and it can be microgreens. It can be, I feel like a lot of times with protein farmers, it's something like, like bacon or like a, a New York strip <laughs> or something like that. But everybody has those products that gets the attention of a customer, but then you, you hope that they then sign up for all your other products. Have you added or stopped growing any products in, in the time that you've been doing this? Uh, yeah, radishes. They took a little bit longer than I thought they would. Radishes were one of the first things I did. And I'm just harvesting them now. So uh, I'll do it a one time. And um, and I think everything else, though, I've had great success with. I would say my mixed green bags, like uh, cut greens, 10-ounce bags, they, those have been my most popular. But then everything else I sell is you can buy by the ounce. And they've been doing well. But so the, the lettuces were not as big of a hit as I thought they would be. That could change, I think, maybe in the middle of summer. But I think mm -hmm. in the wintertime, there's lots of competition for lettuce. So I'll continue to do the lettuce, but just not near as much as I yeah. Well, and that's kind of an interesting thing that you mentioned there is like the seasonality that most other farmers deal with doesn't affect you as much. Could you maybe speak to that a little bit and, and how you yeah, plan for that? Yeah, that's a great point. There is no season in the farm. Um, every single day is 65 degrees and 70 degrees. So yeah, I can grow collards in the middle of summer and uh, just about any type of leafy green I can do anytime I want. I'm experimenting with some pansies or violas right now uh, for edible flowers. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just about anything can go any time of year. So there, there will be no season for me. Wow, that's so interesting. At what point did you start looking at selling and using Barn to Door to do that? When I started this, I wanted everything to be pretty automated. Farmers markets are great places to sell, but one of the reasons I've decided to switch is I wanted uh, time with the family on the weekend. So mm -hmm. uh, I wanted something that was very automated, something to work in the background when I'm doing other things. So I started looking at software for just uh, online software like Shopify and anything like that. Nothing really hit what I wanted. Uh, nothing was very specific and happened to run across a, an article maybe in the Wall Street Journal about Barn to Door and checked it out. And I was like, hey, you know what? This sounds pretty good. So it, it fits the niche market. And yeah, I don't regret it at all. <laughs> That's good. That's, we like to hear that. I was, and I was going to say too, because one of the features that you're utilizing in the store that I think is always a big one for farmers is, is subscriptions. But you kind of have this unique advantage with <laughs> subscriptions in, in being able to know 
all of your grow times and, and really have that down to an exact timing, which plays nicely into the subscription format. So how does having those specific grow times contribute to your subscriptions? It's, it's fantastic. Um, I can predict five weeks out what my harvest is going to be. And the majority of the mixed greens or cut greens is I go in, cut the uh, leaves off and then regenerate. And I know that those plants are going to last for about eight weeks until they need to be changed out. So I can just plan everything out that far ahead. And I've got a good estimate of what each panel. So the freight farms have panels inside. I can get so many ounces per panel per week. And um, so it's just, a, I can really have a great forecast of what I've got coming up. And so really uh, don't run out of inventory. I can really estimate what, how much inventory I have on hand. And if I start seeing that one product getting close to selling out at any point, I can ramp up production of that one, one product or many products where the mixed greens would be five or six different greens that go into the bag. And um, so, yeah, it's just that I can really forecast what I need coming up. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. And and then also knowing that you have those sales already spoken for is great. You're growing those things knowing that they're already they're already spoken for. I love the subscription because it just automatically hits on uh, you know Friday or Monday or whatever. So yeah, sales made and you know, <laughs> I, I can just be you know throwing the frisbee for the dog and I'll get an email and say here's a sale. Yeah, that's, that's great. So what all are you doing subscriptions with right now in terms of your products? Do you have mixed greens microgreens right now the subscriptions i'm doing are just a, a mixed green bag uh that's a, a 10 ounce bag which actually comes two five ounce bags i don't have a, a bag that's 10 ounces so it's mm -hmm. two fives and then i'll do that as a weekly basis or either a bi-weekly basis some people don't go through that much so they'll do every other week on that then i also have just a, a mix of head lettuce so when i harvest heads of lettuce that comes with the roots and everything so that's my other subscription you can do as well so just two right now i'm trying to find a, a chef that maybe can come up with a good mixture of, of greens for me mm -hmm. have like a spicy mix a regular mix and then just something that's very unique so i want to have about three different mixes of the mixed green bags because that's what i am seeing sells the most right now i'm kind of curious like thinking through this as a customer has there had to be any conversations with your customers that are like how the heck is this guy getting these things out of a shipping container? What has that been like? And, and are most people pretty interested in, in how you're doing this? Yeah, I think most people are pretty much in all about it. Or they're like, I've never heard of anything like this. I, I think for me, it's just funny when a lot of people have never even heard of hydroponics. Of course, mm -hmm. I've got the horticulture, agriculture background. So it's something that's been common to me, but there's a lot of people out there just don't even know about hydroponics. So that's the first thing that just like, you've lost me there. Yeah, it can, it can become a, a long conversation. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they're always very interested especially when the pictures start coming out they see the, the blues and the, the reds and the, you know the technology behind all of that yeah they're, they're, everybody's very interested about it and probably a little bit maybe not trusting it yet until they try it yeah and then they try the greens and they're like wow there is a difference how have you maybe combated some of that like buyer distress of being like ah, oh, what is this do you usually kind of try and communicate that through social media or something I am doing a social media, but I think still it's just uh, the taste. Once someone tastes the, the, the product and not the hydroponics of it, that's when it really comes full circle. The seeing is believing, but the tasting is probably even more of a truth be told to that. Mm -hmm. uh, because you, you can see it, the product looks really good. Uh, the, the red vein soil is just absolutely amazing looking colors of it but once you finally bite into it that's when you're like okay yeah there definitely is something different about this it's a funny 
thing to have to explain, I guess. I think a lot of times, you know, explaining your practices to customers is a common challenge for a lot of farmers <laughs> and getting them to understand why they should be buying from them versus the grocery store or something. Yeah, I think two things that are maybe a little bit of a hurdle is to, you know, buying produce online, you know, instead of going to the farmer's market, be able to touch it better, be able to taste it. You know, walking through the line and looking at things, almost like the first time I bought something from Amazon. I was a little bit strange about not buying it from the store, but yeah, just clicking a button. And that's the, the one thing I like about Barn the Door. It's very easy. You just mm -hmm. click the button and it shows up however, however many days later. So that, that's been a little bit of a hurdle of getting people used to that. The way I'm doing hydroponics inside of a shipping container is very strange. Yeah. Something you touched on there is this idea of clicking a button and it's on your doorstep and you do offer a uh, direct home delivery. So I was curious, like, how does that combine, especially with something like a subscription, just make that even more convenient for your customers to get those microgreens and the mixed greens and such? I think it's really easy for them. They just, they go through my shop. I try to keep the inventory updated about three times a week. I go through and just check on things, make sure I've got the right numbers in there and they'll shop and buy things. And it just shows up and once they get used to it, they really, they really enjoy it. Yeah. How are you going about uh, delivery at the moment? I think you're probably in the early stages of, of starting a delivery program. And I think a lot of farmers are looking to maybe start delivery. You know, it's, it's a big new fulfillment for, for a lot of people is being able to offer that to customers. How has that process been going for you and, and where are you at in that process? I prefer the delivery because it lets me manage my own schedule. I've worked in garden centers before. And I know sometimes if you just have people stopping by to pick up things, it can really sway your schedule. I fully enjoy talking to people about the farm, but sometimes you can get the person to stop by and two hours later, you're still talking about yeah. you know, what you're doing there. I really enjoy showing people what I'm doing out there. But as far as a day-to-day -day operation, since I'm a one-man show, I just really like having delivery service because I harvest everything the day it is delivered so it's less than six hours from the time i cut it until it shows up to the door and just schedule everything out deliver everything and then, uh, start for the next day wow that's really cool too that y you can get it to people so quickly and i'm sure part of that is you're using a freight farm so you can be a little closer to some of those more populated areas which is nice yeah yeah the farm's only it's only about seven minutes from my house so i can wow. be there really quick um, the other friday night not too long ago i had a uh, restaurant text me and say, Hey, we're out of the microgreens. And, you know, really about seven o'clock. And I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Give me about 30 minutes. I'll be there. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's crazy. That it's just so quick. And you've started this from scratch really without <laughs> much of a background in, in farming, but it seems like you've dove in head first and are really doing a good job of kind of adapting to your marketplace and such. What kind of advice would you have for other farmers that might be doing the same? I expect roadblocks. Yeah. <laughs> it seems about every single step of this process is not going like I thought it would. The financing, the insurance, the location, good gosh, so trying to get electrical run. Just about everything has been somewhat of a roadblock. Dealing with freight farms and dealing with barns of doors probably been the two easiest things that I've had to deal with. Both companies are fantastic, but every single aspect of everything else that I've done has been not, not as planned. So that's my advice is don't expect it to go like it's going to be planned because it probably will not. As far as like the marketing, start early. Getting into the restaurants has been difficult for me in this area. I have not figured out why, but that's been one of my hurdles. The homeowners have been no problem at all. Homeowner growth has been fantastic, but the restaurants, I just can't seem to grab onto the uh, product yet. And mm. uh, 
Yeah, yeah, but start early with marketing. Just yeah, the, 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 the one. You you make a really good point there, though, because I've I've looked at your Instagram, for example, and you mentioned you didn't get your freight farm until December, I think, and you weren't growing until February. But your posts are dating back way before that, and this is from the the B three roots company Instagram account. So yeah, was that a very conscious choice to be promoting and letting your community know that this is coming months in advance? Yeah, I wanted to create some kind of buzz, um, mm -hmm. some kind of buzz about just to get the, the name out there. And hey, it's on the way and look out for it. Uh, so yeah, definitely wanted everybody to know about it because you know, I wanted to hit the ground running with this thing. Um, I've got some great aspirations for it to be more than what it is today. Yeah, that's great to hear. What is kind of on the horizon for you? What What's next for B3 Roots? Definitely to grow my market. I think I went to Durham, North Carolina for the first time this week. So that's a market I'm excited about. The restaurant scene in Durham is extremely strong. Lots of great chefs out there. Yeah, for this year, though, just to really grow that, I'm, I think I'm running at around 25% capacity, probably even less than that right now. So I've got a lot of room to expand as soon as I can max out what I'm doing with the one farm. Definitely a second farm is, is coming. Wow. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. I've seen the, the pictures of that on Freight Farms website that will stack the shipping oh, yeah. containers or, or have a bunch side by side. It's pretty cool how you can build that out and, and add acres to what you're growing. It is. It is. Yes, it's a very scalable practice. Once the thing lands, all you got to do is put it together and um, put some seeds in, some water, and you, know, it's, you do the exact same thing you're doing in the other farm. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Well, it, it's been great to, to hear from you, Blake, and about the process that you're doing. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it and enjoyed it. I want to extend my thanks to Blake for joining us on this week's podcast episode. Here at Barndador, we're humbled to support thousands of farmers across the country, including farmers like Blake, who are implementing sustainable agricultural practices and supporting their local communities. For more on B3 Roots, you can visit b3roots.com. To learn more about Barndador, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, go to barndador.com slash resources. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Direct Farm Podcast. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to automatically download new episodes. For more free resources that you can read, watch, and listen to, visit barntodor.com slash resources. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.